the scripture says this in first peter chapter 3 sanctify christ as lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that's in you if you're here and you're committed people are going to be asking you these questions and so i'm hoping to give you some information that'll equip you to be able to answer questions not to Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Questions. Let's listen in as J.P. gives us part one of Aren't All Religions the Same? We are in a series called Questions. We're talking about some of those questions that we all have about life and truth and God and reality. And this series is kind of built on, on two audiences that I'm seeking to appeal to and really thinking about a dialogue that I might have with someone if I was just sitting down over a cup of coffee and the person was actually asking me the question we're talking about. The first audience is the person who's curious. Maybe you're here this morning because you have questions. And those questions present uh, kind of an intellectual obstacle in terms of entering into a relationship with God. They're real questions that you have. And you're curious about whether there are answers. Jesus said this, by the way, about having questions and asking God questions. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, If any man is willing to know whether I speak of myself or whether the Father has approved me, he will know the truth of what I say. In other words, Jesus said, if you're willing to find out, if you're willing to investigate, if you're sincere in your search, you're going to find the answer. So if you're here and you're curious, I hope to be able to uh, answer the questions you might have. On the other hand, there's other people here and another audience that I'm thinking about, and those are the people who are committed. These are people who have already entered into a relationship with God. They've opened up their, their minds and their hearts, and they've made a commitment to Christ. And they're being asked these questions by their neighbors and friends and co-workers. And the scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that's in you. If you're here and you're committed, people are going to be asking you these questions. And so I'm hoping to give you some information that'll equip you to be able to answer questions to those who are curious in your sphere of influence. So whether you're here and you're curious or you're here and you're committed, Listen with an open mind, a critical mind, to the truth of what uh, I think Scripture has to say as we tackle some of these questions. Here's the next question in our, our series. It's this. Aren't all religions basically the same? I think if you take kind of a, uh, an initial look at uh, world religions and the, and the moral teachings of religions, you might get the impression that all religions are basically the same. In fact, there's a Hindu story that goes something like this. Three blind men are touching an elephant, and one is touching the tail, and one is touching the, the leg, and one is touching the ears, and they're asked, what, what animal are you touching? And so the, the one touching the tail said, uh, it's long and it's thin, I'm touching a snake. And the one touching the, the leg says, it, it's, uh, it's strong and the skin is tough, I, I'm touching a hippopotamus. And the one touching the ear is saying, no, it has wings, and, and I, I'm touching a bat. And the, the Hindu proverb says, you see, they, they all based their, their evaluation on their perception. And in the same way, there are different religions, but we're all touching the same God. And there are many ways to God. 
I've had students on the university campus use this analogy with me. And my answer back is said, but you know what? They were all wrong. It really was an elephant. And I've said, you know, it's possible to be sincere in your evaluation, but be wrong. In fact, your very story illustrates that there is absolute truth even if you don't understand it and don't perceive it. And in the same way, there is an absolute truth about God and religion even if people sincerely miss it. See, the, the easy answer, quite honestly, to the question, aren't all religions basically the same? The easy answer is no. In fact, if you evaluate the basic religions of the world, you would easily conclude that all religions are not the same. But what people want to argue oftentimes is the fact that you can't make an absolute truth claim in the area of religion. A couple of weeks ago, one of our discussions, one of our points of our question is, is there such a thing as absolute truth? And there are people who want to say there is no such thing as absolute truth, but then there are people who will back away from that and say, well, maybe there's absolute truth in the area of science and history and math and things like that, but you can't make any absolute truth claims about religion. Religion is something of the heart. It's something of the experience, and you can't make an absolute truth claim in that regard. And I would respond back and say, well, let me, let me see if I can. Either God exists or he doesn't exist. Either God exists or he doesn't exist. These are mutually exclusive truth claims. In logic, there's a principle called the, the law of the excluded middle. In other words, there are certain truth claims that are so contradictory, there's no middle ground of compromise. So in terms of the law of, of, of the excluded middle, either God exists or he doesn't exist. And according to the law of non-contradiction, you can't have something in the opposite of that at the same time. So either God exists or he doesn't exist. I'm making an absolute truth discussion about A religious truth. You see, you can have absolute truth and a discussion about absolute truth, even in the area of religion. When you look at the truth claims of the various religions, they contradict each other. So either one is true and the others are false, or they're all false. But they all can't be true because their truth claims contradict each other. For example, take the whole issue of God. Just what do the basic religions teach about God? Well, Christianity says there's one true God who eternally exists as three co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The truth of Christianity is the doctrine of the Trinity. Hinduism says there are many gods with Brahman, the chief god, or the overarching god, consciousness. And Buddhism is basically agnostic. The God question is somewhat irrelevant in Buddhism. The real issue is is finding absolute inner peace and happiness. So here you have three major religions of the world, and they teach something very different, even about the basic understanding of God. Take the issue of the afterlife. Christianity says those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ experience eternal fellowship with God in heaven, while the wicked experience eternal punishment in hell. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that 144,000 witnesses will experience the new earth. Other good religious people will experience heaven and the wicked will be annihilated. Hinduism says through the transmigration of the soul, you go through a series of karmic reincarnations. So on the issue of the afterlife, these religions completely disagree with one another. What about the issue of salvation? Christianity says salvation is by grace through faith expressed in a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. 
Islam says salvation is through submission to Allah and obedience to the five pillars of Islam. And Mormonism says it's faith plus works plus a commitment to the doctrines and practices of the Mormon church. So they completely disagree on the issue of salvation. What about the person of Jesus Christ? Well, Christianity says that Jesus is the unique God-man, the Savior. Islam says that Jesus was a prophet. And the New Age movement says that Jesus was an enlightened spiritual teacher. So these religions disagree on who is Jesus. Well, what about spiritual authority? What about what is it that we look to to establish what we believe and why we believe what we believe? Well, Christianity says that the Bible as contained in the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. That is the absolute spiritual authority. Orthodox Judaism says the Old Testament, especially the Torah, which is the first five books, and especially the Torah as interpreted by the Talmud and by the ancient rabbinic writers. That has spiritual authority. And Islam says the Koran, but the Koran only in the Arabic language has spiritual authority. So they disagree. So here you take these essential beliefs and the religions of the world all disagree. And based upon the law of the excluded middle and the law of non-contradiction, either they're all wrong or one is right and the others are wrong. It's pretty easy when you take an objective view of looking at religion to see, no, all religions are not basically the same. And all that really does, though, is bring the real issue out in the question I've discovered in dialoguing with people. Because the real issue underneath that issue is, how can Christianity claim to be exclusive then? And really, how can God condemn sincere people who believe in another religion? See, that's the real question people are asking when they bring up the whole issue of religious pluralism or the whole issue of aren't all religions basically the same because people think well if you think that you have a claim on truth you christian then what you're saying is the sincere muslim the sincere hindu the sincere mormon the sincere uh uh non-practicing roman catholic the, the the sincere animist the sincere confucius whatever you name the person they say that good person that good sincere person you're basically saying god's condemning them because they don't believe what you believe wow I don't know about you, but when, when someone says that to me and says it like that, I start to want to back away go, do I believe that? that? That sounds pretty harsh. That sounds pretty narrow. So the, the question is, how can God condemn someone who sincerely believes in another religion? Well, that actually has two questions in it. And the one is, is sincerity enough to have eternal acceptance with God? If I'm just sincere... So it doesn't really matter what I believe or what I practice, but I'm really, if I'm really sincere in it, is that enough? And the other question is, well, on what basis does God condemn people if he does condemn people? Great story in the, uh, in the Old Testament. It's probably one of my favorite stories. It's the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, Elijah was this great prophet during a time of Israel's history when they had fallen into idolatry and they started worshiping other gods. And one of the, the chief gods of the ancient peoples of that area was the god Baal. And many of the people leading the nation of Israel began to worship Baal. Now, Baal, I mean, when you understand Baal worship, it's pretty brutal, brutal religion. It, it, it practiced animal sacrifice. In fact, there were there were these statues of Baal made of metal that they would heat up to, to almost a molten level. And then part of the, 
the religious frenzy that people would express would be to take their babies and actually put them on the arms of the altar of Baal where they would fry in front of them. And they considered that an act of dedication and worship. Baal worship was a brutal religion. And so God condemned it as idolatry. Well, the nation of Israel moved into Baal worship because King Ahab and his wife uh, Jezebel were Baal worshipers. So uh, Elijah pronounced God's judgment on Israel, said it's not going to rain for all this time, and God will show you that he's really in charge. And then he went off into the wilderness, and God provided for him. And so as the days and months went by and there was no rain, you know, Ahab started getting really ticked off at, uh, at, at Elijah and started looking for him. And then there came a point in time where God spoke to Elijah and said, it's time for a showdown. I want you to go down and have a face-to-face confrontation with the king. So he shows up and he says, enough of this messing around. It's time. I'm giving you the JP version here. Enough of this messing around. It's time to see who is the real God. So they go up on the mountain and all Israel gathers together there. And here are all these hundreds of, of prophets to Baal. And here's Elijah, the one prophet of God. And, and Elijah says, let's do this. Let's have a contest to see who's the real God. You build an altar, you pray to Baal, I'll build an altar, I'll pray to God. If Baal answers the prayer and sends down fire and consumes the altar, everybody will know that Baal's God. If God answers and sends down fire, everybody will know that God is God. And so everybody's around watching what's going to happen. And so the Baal prophets begin to cry out to Baal, and they dance to Baal, and they cried loudly to Baal, and in their frenzy, they even cut themselves as an act of of sacrifice and dedication to Baal, and they did this hour upon hour and upon hour, and there was no response, and by the way, while they were doing this, Elijah was not sitting over there kind of passively observing, he actually was mocking them, why don't you yell a little louder, cut yourself more, maybe he's, you know, out of town, he can't hear you. And then in the NIV version, it says, maybe he's occupied and can't respond. And that's a very sanitized version because in the Hebrew, is this on tape? In the Hebrew, what Elijah said is, maybe he's out taking a dump and he can't come and answer your prayer. That's in the Bible. I only, I only quote them as I read them. So they do all this, no answer. Elijah shows up, says, okay, pour water on the altar. They pour water, there's not enough water. Pour more water on the altar, there's not enough water. Pour more water. This thing is drenched with water. He looks up in heaven, all these people are there, gathered together, and he says, God, so that all these people will know that you are the God of Israel, you are the one true God, consume this altar with fire. And before he could say, in Jesus' name, amen, Fire shoots down out of heaven and completely burns up the altar. And everybody is blown away and they realize God is God. And then Elijah walks over to the prophets of Baal and goes, I know you were really sincere and it's okay that you believed in Baal because you were sincere so God accepts you anyway. Come on in to the fellowship of God's people. You think that's what he said? He said, round them all up and cut their heads off. That's what he said. Round them all up and cut their heads off. Now, I read that story, and I believe that the prophets of Baal were sincere. I believe they sincerely believed in Baal. And I believe they sincerely cried out to Baal. 
And I believe they sincerely wanted Baal to answer. But they were sincerely wrong. And God called their sincere wrong worship idolatry. If there is anything that the Bible teaches, you know, I may not like it. And I'm in a position that I don't even believe it. But if there is anything that the Bible teaches, it's this. There's one true God, and he will not tolerate worship of any other God other than him. It is the most exclusive truth claim of the Bible. There is one true God, and any worship of any religion other than that one true God is idolatry and unacceptable. That is a hard truth. A very hard truth. But the Bible makes it clear, sincerity alone is not enough. So on what basis then does this God accept people? Or on what basis then does this God condemn people? Well, you know, Jesus gave us the answer. Jesus actually gave us the answer to that question. And in in John chapter 3, it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Awesome passage, awesome verse. Many of us here have heard that. Some of us have memorized it. Our kids in in Sunday school have learned this and have memorized it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus went on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus makes it clear, the whole issue is not condemnation, it's salvation. Jesus has come not to condemn people, but to save people. But Jesus went on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Jesus says this, God loves the world, so loved the world he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send the son of the world to judge the world, to condemn the world, but to save the world. But the person who does not believe in God's son condemns himself. Because he has rejected the gift that God has provided. The person who does not believe in God's son condemns himself, Jesus said. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives. 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 233 233- 31 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. You know, most people 
reject the idea of any exclusive truth claims. What I mean by that is that we live in a culture today that is very tolerant and accepts the multiplicity of ideas. Every way is equally valid to every other way. And so when any religion comes along and says it is the only way, most people have a knee-jerk reaction to reject that. That's why the claims of Jesus are so unpopular. Jesus said this in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Wow, Jesus Christ made an exclusive truth claim. It was like he drew a line in the sand and he said, you're either on this side of the line or you're on my side of the line. You see, my side of the line to Jesus is an acceptance, a humble acceptance that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. When I was in graduate school, I had to read a book called God Has Many Names. It was authored by a man named John Hick. Now, John Hick is a brilliant theologian. He's a professor of a prestigious college in Southern California. He teaches both philosophy and theology. John Hick, in his book, God Has Many Names, asserts the idea that the God concept is a universal concept. It's in every culture, and every culture has its own names for God. And each name and view of God in every culture is equally valid. You see, Professor Hick rejects the idea that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. In fact, he wrote another book called The Myth of God Incarnate. In that book, what he sought to defend is the idea that there are many ways to God. There's no exclusive way, as Jesus Christ claimed. In fact, John Hick understood something that many professing believers don't fully understand, and it's this, that if the claims of Jesus Christ are true, if what the Bible says about Jesus is true, and Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that Jesus is God in the flesh, then Jesus is the only way to salvation. And because Professor Hick rejects that claim, he wrote the book, The Myth of God Incarnate. You see, the claims of Jesus are very narrow. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, Jesus said, there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and there's a narrow way that leads to life. Jesus said, there's a broad gate, and there's a narrow gate. Jesus always reduced truth to a very narrow path. And he said that path was himself. That's why in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the question that many people ask, aren't all religions basically the same, has a very simple answer. No, they're not. In fact, that's not only true for Christianity, it's true for every other religion as well. I've discovered this in dialoguing with hundreds of people. People who say something like, aren't all religions basically the same, in a way, it reveals that they don't really understand the claims of Judaism or the claims of Hinduism or the claims of Buddhism or the claims of Islam or the claims of Christianity or the claims of a whole variety of religions. You see, virtually every religion makes exclusive claims about that religion. So the real question is this, which religion is true? Which claims are true? Or are any of them true? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The sincere seeker of truth will look into the person of Jesus Christ and test his claims and see whether or not he really is the only way. If you're searching for truth, I invite you to pray a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, if you're true, if you are the truth, I want to know you. Show me your way. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331, Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653.
or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before.